0: Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast, Fill in the Gaps. We
1: are four experienced Cambridge certified teachers.
2: We meet each week trying to fill in gaps related to issues in ELT with our own experiences. We are Alan,
1: Samra, Fatma
3: and Julia. We hope that our discussions will inspire you and help you navigate your ways through different approaches in teaching. So let's get started.
2: Hi everyone, so this week's topic is um, course books in ESL. All right, are they good? Are they bad? Are they in between? Uh, can we improve on them? Um, I think I, I can start with I'll, I'll give my experience. I've, I've been using course books for a few years now and uh, I love them, if, I, if I'm honest. Um, they, help, they help in so, in so many ways, um, they cut preparation time for lessons. Um, the work I do in one class, I, it can be duplicated in in other ways. Um, I can improve upon a lesson in a course book and use it again and again and again. yeah, I love them. what What about you guys? What are your feelings on this?
1: Same here. I mean, they give me a feeling of um, security, right? So I know what what I'm going to teach next. I know which direction I'm heading. so and, and I think it's also the same for the students because then they, they have the material in their hand and they know. What, what we will discover or cover the next class. So I, I also loved uh, using course books, to be honest. I mean, I'm thankful for them too. I mean,
0: uh, it's good that they're there, uh, especially for inexperienced teachers. We start with no experience, right? So it, it would be horrible to um, have to design a course or prepare some materials for the students. So it's good that they're there and they have a balance. You know, sometimes just imagine yourself preparing a unit. You would probably forget some parts, but in course books, they're all balanced. They have parts for accuracy. They have parts for fluency and pronunciation and everything is already, um, you know, prepared. And yeah, I feel uh, I use them. All the time I, I don't know what I would do without them.
2: <laughs> Are you a fan of the the, the media that come with course books these days? I, I quite like like the active Teach. I find it really useful so that I've got like an, um, a digital version of the coursebook that I can share in my online classes. I, I, I think that's great. I think it's amazing.
3: Yeah, i absolutely agree uh, in my case i remember that when i used to teach primary students i remember that they were so excited to to see a frog in a glossy book, and they were so motivated to discover what will happen next that's something what gives us a chance to raise interest in the material that we are that we are about to share with our students and at the same time they understand that uh, that's something what helps them discover the world. Every single piece of material that is in coursebook is thoroughly selected by professionals and uh, we understand that we can rely on this material. Another thing that uh, I have noticed, I use coursebooks these days in a different way to get some inspiration and to analyze what I can probably uh, uh, take into my plan and uh, supposedly something what might inspire me for other ideas, what might uh, my students benefit from and also what they might not benefit from, which is also a really good source. uh, And uh, I think that course books, we do have really good and bad examples to follow. But all in all, I definitely agree that um, online supplements and uh, online uh, resources are really useful and components that we have these days are definitely worth using.
1: Um, I definitely agree with you. Like sometimes we need to adapt material um, based on the students needs, right? And this is something we have to do. And because there are so many um, units in a book and so many different sections, like all of the skills receptive, productive, we can really choose from them and then adapt them in a way that the student won't. I think the biggest problem that I have when it comes to course books is really choosing the appropriate one for my student. It's tough because there are just so many, most of them are good. So I have to analyze many course books in order to decide, okay, which one will be will be um, beneficial to my student. Like I remember, teaching IELTS and I had huge difficulties finding um, a suitable one because most of the books are really tailored more for general English learners and then some of them are for business English but for IELTS I really needed academic um, material and I didn't want to do test after test after test for the student. So sometimes I just spend so much time trying to find the right one. Um, how are your experiences with that?
2: I think it's interesting that you, you targeted something that's very specific there, Semra. And I, I think those books become a little bit formulaic, don't they? And like you said, it's just like test after test, a reading after a reading, uh, set language after set language. I, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Like for, for my university classes, I, you know, I have a, a suite of books that, that I have to follow. Um, there's not much I can do about that. I can supplement, I can change, I can adapt. But for my for my private students, I, I I find myself using all sorts of different resources. Um, but it's nice that I've had such a lot of experience working with different books, for example, in my university job and in previous language schools. Because then I can like, I can be more choosy, so I can pick and choose what's effective, and you know push aside what's what's maybe not as useful. Um, I think I think experience and trial and error is is a is a big part of it.
0: Yeah, and we are going uh, through a similar process at our school. We are considering uh, changing our course books. And then, uh, you know, when you have different targets, it's even easier. You know, you have TOEFL students, you have normal general English students, and it will be a, a little bit easier for them to choose a good book for them. But when you have general English course books, like five of them, six of them, and I don't know how many more. How are you going to choose? And I was actually um, meaning to ask you this, guys, what are you looking for in a course book? What really interests you? I mean, are you looking for like, I don't know, uh, skills development or I don't know, like creative ideas or this sequence is important for you, like how they organize things? What are you looking for in a course book?
1: I will be honest with you, like as teachers, we are looking for many things, obviously, right? But in the end, I'm really looking for a book that will interest my students. I need um, the content to be related to them, they, they need to be interested in it. And I remember that a few years ago, I was teaching and I had young learners. And then in the book, we had the unit on gardening, and like flowers and stuff like that. And obviously they were so not interested so I had to adapt a lot I had I really had to think about okay how can I make this interesting for them the most like mostly I must say this is always my first aim.
3: From my side I would say that there are different uh, strategies how to choose the course book and uh, definitely we never know what is the right way of choosing it because uh, you can see different people try to promote their books in the Oxford University Press, Cambridge, and any other National Geographic's Engaged Learning. They do have the variety of wonderful resources, but at the same time, there is uh, an overwhelming market of those books that uh, um, novice teachers might find relatively challenging. And uh, when I need to pick the book for my students, I usually go for the relevance and um, uh, somehow the approach that the book supports. So let's say if it's PPP or if it's collaborative working or if it's project-based learning. And uh, depending on the aims, depending on my personal aims and the aims of the course and the aims of the students uh, to cater to their needs better. I try to follow different ideas of how to shape it in a better way and uh, it may happen that one book can be a really good choice for one group of students and it may be a really bad choice for another. So every single time we can see that it works well in one case or another but there are so many factors that influence it uh, including cultural background in particular because in some countries they don't really appreciate project-based learning whereas in others they would definitely say that they are so bored with PPP approach both teachers and students so that's that somehow might be helpful while picking the right one for the course.
2: In, in terms of like content, I often find sometimes the content is a little bit dated and sometimes it's a little bit inappropriate at times um, I don't know I, what, what do you think about this like I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a lesson it was a, a one-to-one lesson the other day and uh, it was about the lesson was about mood. So it was about uh, it was about word formation and using adjectives to describe how you feel. And the, the story was this guy, this uh, this inventor created an app that could gauge your mood and it tracked your mood. It was quite, it was really the actual the actual lesson itself was very interesting. But it struck me that um, it had two pictures to describe moods, and one was um, I, f- I forget now, like enthusiastic and like it was re- a really positive picture. And it was a guy there, and he, he was like, he was really happy. And then the second picture was talking about um, comparing, comparing men and women. And it said that um, more women are grumpy in the mornings when they wake up. And it had a picture of like a, a woman with a sad face. And I just thought, I, I wonder how they made that decision. And I often see little kind of like strange examples like this in the course books, even in like the, you know, the, the newer editions. Have you guys seen anything, anything like this?
1: I can say something about being outdated, to be honest. Um, I have that problem often because I think it's, um, I don't know, I, I, I guess those professionals who prepare the course books are just, I don't know if they are older or maybe the course books are just older. I had one chapter on uh, music, which I thought, oh my God, this is, beautiful like who doesn't want to talk about music but then there were questions like um what kind of music are these people famous for and it was like louise armstrong queen yehudi Menuhin. i didn't even know who they are so i had to check first turns out the students don't even know the group queen how are they supposed to i mean they didn't grow up in the u.s you know and that class became very boring and it was a tedious class because it was not really adapted for younger learners. I mean, what do I mean by younger? 20, 25, even years old students, they didn't know it. And then there were some questions like, okay, where is this group from, this music group? And then they were actually asking where you 2 or Fool's garden is from? How were my students supposed to know? It was tough, a little bit too specific. And then I decided, okay, this is not a unit that I can work with at all. And I just need, I ended up adapting a lot. So it's most of the time I feel like things are um, outdated. Fatma, you wanted to say something? Yeah.
0: I think, by the way, in your case, maybe the best thing to do uh, would be to ask students, replace them with the groups or singers that... Uh, they think are popular these days. And I think for the uh, course books, there are a lot of um, legal things going on. That's why uh, they can't use the popular stuff because they have to you know, ask for some rights and whatever. They have to pay a lot of money for using them. I think that's one of the reasons. And I, I, ha- I have a similar experience, guys. There's um, a part, there's a text in a textbook. I'm not going to give the name but it's about a treasure hunt okay and apparently the treasure is found well was found like two or three years ago but the uh, the text is using prison perfect tense because a lot of people have been searching for the treasure whatever but it's it's old news now it's in the past so they have to change it and it is tough for course book writers too but on the other hand i remember uh I was searching for something different for my students course books are great but sometimes it is really boring and when the students have what we're going to do in front of them they feel like we are not trying enough or the class is going to be just boring stuff and I was looking for another book um about a grammar point and I I have come across with um I I came across with a great book. Even though it was really old, the units were really interesting because the grammar structures were introduced nicely. So to answer my own question, actually in course books, I think I'm looking for some creativity because that's when the activities and the theme are interesting for me and for my students. It just triggers some discussions and Again, creativity
2: from our end too. Yeah, I've I've seen references online to like books or digital books that are being developed where it's easier to to update whole units, for example. Like you can you can replace them each year if you know if the if the stories are old or if they're no longer relevant or if they're not as deemed as important. So I I think that's a really clever idea, but um, you now in the absence of that. You know, when we have these course books that, that have these challenges, what what are our alternatives? Um, you know, I use course books all the time, but I, I often find myself reaching out to YouTube <laughs> to so, to solve most of my problems. What what do you guys do if you want if you want to do something different to a course book?
3: I do search some materials on YouTube as well, like you, Alan. And um, mainly I go to the TED Talks for my adults and um, I go on YouTube National Geographic Learning and National Geographic in particular channel are really good sources for inspiration and uh, at the same time they do provide relatively short audios and videos that uh, are quite digestible and uh, can be easily utilized in our context. But I also wanted to add um, one of the disadvantages of many course books is that uh, they do have overgeneralized grammar. And uh, there is kind of black and white approach where you teach one thing, and then when you take another course book, and you can see that the rule, the rule, exists actually, for but in a slightly different way, or it may happen that you can use past simple and present perfect in uh, the same context, and the same refers to future tenses, and uh, when we try to explain how to use them to our students, then when they open another book they can see that uh, many of those are not really in use. And one more thing, uh, they do provide relatively unnatural dialects that uh, don't really represent the real world. These days, I know that Cambridge cares about it more and they try to add the the real life discussions uh, uh, which were produced by non-native speakers to expose the students to the variety of accents, dialects and uh, to see that they can understand not only the native speakers, but also non-native speakers, which is the majority these days. And uh, at the same time, I absolutely agree that um, the materials all in all should be adjusted and um, changed according to the needs of the group, the particular group that we know the needs of.
1: I absolutely agree with you. And Fatma, coming back to your question, uh, what do you look for in a book? To be honest, I also look for authenticity. And this is also that Julia just me- what Julia just mentioned. Um, the biggest problem is just, Alan, when I try to use other material for my classes, so when I want to use YouTube videos, my students um, have huge difficulties understanding that language. For example, I wanted just to show a, a little clip out of a sitcom, Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld, and I just wanted to show them really a short clip. But even though my, some of my students are upper intermediate level, they have huge difficulties understanding what is going on, because um, they don't know the idioms that are being used or the colloquial language that is being used. So even though their level is so high, when it comes to the moment where we want them to face authentic language, they realize that um, their skills are not developed enough for that. And this is really, really sad. So in terms of that, um, I've realized that sometimes I need to work less with course books and more with authentic material. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, that's, that's a challenge. And you can't just start and
0: design some materials for your students. You need experience in that. You need to experience preparing or bringing some authentic material in your classes before you you can't expect any good results from your first uh each activity that you designed for your course and I think course books are making us a little bit lazy uh in that um in that topic because you know when Ellen asked what do you guys do when you don't Uh, want to use a course book or a unit from a course book I look for another course book so this is what I do because it's the easy choice because I don't have experience and I have limited time I can't just find the good great activity for my classes so I mean step by step we just even though you can't you start with a small step you just have to start because then you will know more about the design and the good choices that you want to make for your classes.
2: I think you raised an interesting point there. You're, you reminded me of something that, that, that I'm, I don't know, guilty of. I don't know if that's the right phrase. But like um, we have spaces in our syllabus where, where a lesson might be free for a revision class, for example. And then, yeah, if I've got a busy week or right, I'm... I, I might not have time to like put together something interesting. So I might just like look at the same topic in a different course book. You know, it has different different exercises, different dialogues, different different videos, for example. But it covers the same theme. I I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong in that. Um But yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we are being lazy, but I guess we're we're only human, aren't we, Atma? So I don't know I don't know.
0: And that feels good, too, you know, finding another course. But it just shows that you're looking for something for your students and it just you're making this decision. And one of the disadvantages of using course books all the time is that you feel like after a time, you feel like always the course book is making choices. You know, that part is that you have to make choices and uh, yeah, and that feels good and that is totally okay. But yeah, I mean, if you want to start creating some stuff, you definitely need experience. Um,
1: But I feel also like I wish that we could just talk to um, those writers who prepare the material for course books. I don't know how that process is going on. I have no idea about that but I just wish that we as teachers, we had a platform where we could say, could you please design a book that has this, this, this. I feel like communication is missing a little bit. Everyone is doing something on their own. And like Julia said, there was just so much generalization going on. In every course book, it's always the same grammar topics. And for example, I'm looking for a good book which focuses more on speaking. Maybe if any of our listeners have any advice for me that they could share. So I just, I really want to focus on, you know, not just giving them a topic and then speak about it, but how can they do stuff like paraphrasing? How can they do stuff like initiating conversations? Um, how can they use more idioms in their everyday speech? And I was really just looking for a, for a book which focuses on speaking and I wasn't able to find anything because everything is always grammar, grammar, test, test, IELTS, TOEFL. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really more tailored for that. Absolutely.
3: And it made me think of uh, our students, we divide them into risk takers and risk avoiders. And what about teachers, we might probably say the same about risk takers and risk avoiders, right? So let's say we can see that when we have freedom when we have enough freedom uh to create our own experience by the way to create our own uh, materials then it makes sense trying but what if we don't really have this freedom of choice and if our courses or universities dictate what to take and they make us they force us use uh, to to use some particular materials for the sake of uh, credibility for the sake of uh, just following the same program over and over again that showed some particular results last year another year but the only one thing is not taken into consideration that uh, these institutions suffer a lot because they don't take into account the trends they don't take into account the needs and the interests of the students and they mainly are Uh, focused on making money rather than uh, gaining the satisfaction and uh, improvement in the eyes of the students and uh, something which might lead to their further development.
1: Thank you for bringing that up because it was also a point that I wanted to mention. I love course books and I love all the content that they have. And we all appreciate them. Obviously, we love them. But one big problem is just that, um, especially for countries like ours, which are not developed, the prices are just too high. They are too high for our students and our students cannot really afford them. And I think that there needs to be some change in this dynamic. um, Because sadly, most institutions have to choose other course books, which are just um, cheaper. Which are just cheaper, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was, yeah, which is just cheaper in the end. Um, because right now, with the inflation going on in the country, sadly, I think uh, most schools cannot afford the best books that, that are out there.
2: Yeah, I, I think schools find themselves in a position where they have to compromise on the quality of the content because they, they can get a better deal from a different publisher. It, it's, a, it's a shame, but I, I don't know, I, I guess it's, it's a reality. And I, I suppose those institutions then have to spend, like invest resources and time in perhaps developing supplementary materials that might that might fill gaps in the books that they've, they've actually chosen.
1: Not only institutions, even us, like when I tell the students, like we're going to work with this book, if I have private classes, when my students look at the prices they're like i i I don't know if i can afford this right now you know so I, i understand that it's a very difficult situation i want to work with the best books that are out there my students want that too but their economical situation doesn't always allow it so this is why sometimes sometimes it's better to create our own material is there anything you guys would like to add or otherwise i feel like we have come to an end of our discussion for today
3: yes that's uh, that's a really interesting topic and let's say we definitely do not want you guys to think about uh, using course book is good or bad we don't really divide it into black and white we just show the pros and cons and uh, something to consider when you want to choose it and uh, we hope that you enjoyed our today's podcast and we are looking forward to sharing some new ideas in our upcoming podcast with you
2: And so here we are at the end of another episode of Gap.
3: Thanks everyone for a great conversation and thank you for listening.
1: Feel free to get in touch via email with questions, comments or suggestions for future discussion topics.
0: Check out the description for useful links and contact details. See you for the next episode.